Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group. Recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm here again with Sean Donosky, CEO of DC Building Group. One of the largest locally owned general contracting firms in Las Vegas. Sean, thanks for being here. Thank you. Hi, I'm. It's good to be here. Let me get to know you a little bit better. Tell me about a particular project that DC Building Group is building that you are specifically excited about. Oh, I, I can't share the details, but it is a virtual reality movie Disneyland kind of ride going on the strip. All Whoa. indoors, replacing one of these theaters. Uh, it's really cool. Nice. So I'll coming you, attractions. I'll tell you more later. All right. Maybe you could tell us about it on an upcoming episode here. So we're on site this morning at the NAOP July Breakfast Program. NAOP, as you know, is the Association for the Commercial Development Community. Sean and I are going to share our takeaways right here from the event. Today's program title was Trends in Multifamily Development. Who's living in these things anyway? The panelists covered a spectrum uh, from Class A urban multifamily development to affordable housing. We had Mike Showit, a very well-known NAOP past president. He's the executive VP of Nevada Hand. We had Jonathan Four, who's building a beautiful new urban development over on Spring Mountain. Uh, he's managing partner with Four Property Company. And once again, NAOP is a class act. Flew in a top broker from the Phoenix market who also he sells apartments all over the region. John Cunningham, managing director with JLL. And the moderator, I thought he did very good. Matt Stater, head of research in GIS with Callers International. I think he's got a career in moderating. Yeah, I hadn't heard Matt before. I thought he did quite well. He uh, quite knowledgeable. Yeah, he knows everything. And he's also got this wit to him. Maybe we'll talk about it later. He made a comment about a different bubble that we're in. Before we jump in, Sean, today's sponsor was GCW Engineering and Surveying. So, NAOP thanks them for being a breakfast sponsor. So, start us and out. And they gave everybody a Starbucks gift card. Shame on me for not mentioning it. They did. That was pretty cool. Do you know how many people were here? 270. That's a lot of gift cards. It's a lot of gift cards. I'm not, doing, I'm not doing the math. But uh, kick us off. What was your impression? I thought... Compared to our other panels, this was such a different dynamic. It was in a market that many of us don't typically dive deep in. That being the apartments. The apartments, yeah. the multifamily. We get so wrapped up in the retail and industrial and just the, the other environments. Where are people living? Like you said, who lives in these anyways? So I drive here. I live in Summerlin. I drive where at the Orleans. I get on the 215 Northwest, traveling south, southeast. I probably saw half a dozen projects that are wood frame right now. So that's what we're seeing as uh, members of the community, apartments everywhere. It seems like we're overcooked. It seems like it's too hot. It seems like we're in a bubble. They didn't give us that impression today. No, I think you and I will talk a little later on as we get through some of their talking points, but we're short. We don't have enough apartments for the families that need places to live. Was that surprising? Yes. I. I believe most of the audience was surprised because 
the the tone was come here understand that we are overbuilt and that we're hitting a bubble so that's that was one of the clear messages first and foremost we're not overbuilding uh, john cunningham put up a graph that was quite telling in certain segments that being affordable housing there's a concern in the next 10 years that we're underserving the families in our communities with i think mike show it said household income uh 35,000 to 60,000 Mike had several good points about how to house our workforce, how to house the people that are the skilled tradesmen, they're working with their hands, the craftsmen, and there is uh, not enough housing for those families. And it is not a HUD housing, it is a, a housing that pays slightly below market rate to accommodate and give good living quarters for these families. I thought it was an interesting point he made. For clarity, these are not homeless people, they're housing. These are working families. I believe the income range was 39000 to 60000 Yeah, that's household. what he said. And he said that there's about 248,000 workers in our community with that household income. And he so said he, he threw some numbers about being 25% of our workforce needs those houses. There was, there was it was a high number like that, yeah. Another type of tenant that they talked a lot about they gave, they gave us a new term. I like coming to NAP Breakfast because I learn new terms. It's renters by choice, and that also covered a, a demographic spectrum of millennials, which we'll hear a ton about in their lifestyle choices, but also 50- to 60-year-olds that don't want to own a house. They don't want to upkeep a house. They just want to rent an apartment with a ton of amenities. Lots of amenities, lots of comforts, concierge services, and no mortgage. No loans, no money in the bank. Just a completely different lifestyle. No vehicle. No vehicle. Uber. Uber. Lyft. Ride shares, yeah. Uh, so Jonathan Ford's building, uh, we mentioned it, it's called Lotus. It's a beautiful project. It's geared towards millennials. That was one interesting thing he said. When they lay out a project like this, they're targeting the millennial demographic to fill it up. I thought that was interesting. But with that, they, they put in some retail. So it's kind of introducing mixed-use development, which is different from what they talked about what you see typically is what they call garden style. Do you know really the technical differences of those? Or? I, I think just a, a living only versus a multi-use type facility. Uh, just the, the transition. Okay. And, okay. Uh, I believe Jonathan's projects on S Spring Mountain incorporated some of that yeah. mixed use. Mike Showett made the point that as a community, we should be building more diverse products, not just you know, one size fits all cookie cutter apartments. The client's demand is changing from what it was just a few years ago. So they talked a lot about also the economics around these things. They talked a lot about the economy itself, and they drew a contrast between the peak of the market and today. And I think uh, John Cunningham gave us some dates, or maybe four gave us some dates, around 2007, 2008. And I think maybe rents were, were peaking in 2005 and 2006. So some of the things that they said back then, it was just out of control. Uh, it was driven by syndicators and some of the things we were seeing that they were doing condo conversions. But now the market is running on sound fundamentals. I thought that was interesting. It, it was. And when they, to go back to your discussion on rents, the rents have continued to increase with just the growth of the economy, but the apartment size is reduced. So rents are in line, but they're taking up less square footage per apartment. 
Okay. I didn't pick up on that. The average apartment used to be, and we're going to go back 10 or 12 years or whatever it was, mm-hmm. was around 1,000 square feet, and now they're getting them down to 800, 700 square feet on average. So the tenants are living with a smaller place, more efficient. Minimalism is everywhere. Also on the market fundamentals, they talked about uh there's a lot of capital in the market. There's a lot of major investors, major money from the New Yorks, the San Francisco's that are not only okay with investing in Las Vegas, they actually want to be in Las Vegas. And another thing I learned today, I need to find it here. There's uh, some acronym that John Cunningham threw out. So there's an investment standard for multifamily called NICREF. I think I'm getting it right. N-A-I-C-R. EEF is what I wrote down. I'm going to ask him later if I got that right or not. So this investment standard, whatever it is, it's an asso- I'm guessing it's an association. They rank Las Vegas as number one for investors, providing yields, I think he said, or returns of about 18%. Yes, he did. He said uh, 15 18%, which is much better than what they're getting elsewhere in the country. It is making Las Vegas that much more viable for the investment dollars. So number one standard for investors, uh, good, healthy rents. 50%, I think, of the buyers were new to Las Vegas. Yeah. 50% of the buyers out there are not current owners of apartments in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting – that was a lot of stats today. That's a uh, quite a shift. I yeah. I did not expect that coming in here today. We heard another couple things today, and we, I'm hearing this more and more – there's one, obviously, uh, the Raider effect or the Golden Knights effect. There was, there's another thing that I keep hearing. It's Las Vegas was late to recover. Is that really creating a bunch of opportunity for us? Or if we were early to recover, would we just have been on pace with other markets? What that may have caused is people to be more cautious and more intentional and more accurate with the recovery. It wasn't shooting from the hip because Las Vegas fell so far that people wanted to wait to see how it was going to come back. And I think that's created a, uh, it's created more health in the development, yeah. more justified, more validity, more, more stability in the lending and in the development, more probably a better quality of development. And all those things go into what they talked about as uh, healthy fundamentals. Mm-hmm. There were some concerns that they shared too. It's a good conversation when you're not just selling the hype and sharing all the great and wonderful stuff, but you're also talking about what are some of the challenges and what are some of the risks even. Uh, Two major factors they talked about, land cost and construction costs. Yeah, the volatility of the construction costs and the materials and the cost of labor has the development community concerned. Some of these projects are planned so far in advance, a couple years in advance, their projections have to make assumptions for where construction's going. And I believe it was Jonathan spoke on the cost to build his, um, his facilities has gone up 15% each year for the last couple of years. Yeah, I picked up on that too. I didn't write down the percentage. He talked about a project that they built for 130 a square foot, if I wrote that down right. And now that same project will cost 175 a square foot. They also talked about when you when you mention these projects take a while. So 
he said, if we're seeing a project coming out of the ground, it was conceived three years ago, maybe four years ago. And with construction being an issue, they also brought up tariffs as being an issue. More so in that a contractor like DC Building Group can't really project comfortably six, nine months from now what the cost of material are going to be if there's going to be increased cost because of tariffs. Yeah, I don't know how much the tariffs are really impacting the overall cost. It may be the flavor of the week. I do believe there is an impact, but how much the impact is is unknown. That was the key. He said it's uncertain. In his same tones, he also talked about we are in a good spot right now. The development is good. We have good opportunities. So you have these extreme highs and extreme lows both combating each other. That seems to make the development of success. Yeah. You really have to know what you're doing to make a project go from an idea to renters coming in and, and paying you money to occupy it. Because with the construction costs, and he's, as he's looking for land, or as they are looking for land, the landowners are getting excited and raising the cost of their land. So it's, mm-hmm. fine. it's being difficult mm-hmm. to find valuable land. So then the discipline gets exercised in the market where Mike Schott said we have to pass on this project and Jonathan Force said we have to pass on this project and move on to a project where the land makes sense, the construction makes sense, the equity in makes sense, the returns make sense. So they're getting built on fundamentals and they're making sense. We talked a little bit about canaries in the coal mine and what signs we should look for to sense some trouble. And the first one out of out of the gate was whenever you're seeing apartments advertising two months free rent, that was the first sign of, of trouble. I think we can equate that to a retail center that's offering free rent. It's a first sign that, that there's a problem in that center. Yeah. And it, it was it was kind of funny because not funny that it would happen, but I remember seeing those signs. Mm-hmm. And that was, the market changed. It was two months free rent. It was six months free rent. It was it was giveaway just to get people in the door. That's right. And they were saying specifically about the apartment market right now with renters. They're not giving those concessions. No, there is no need for the concessions. They're actually taking existing complexes and upgrading the finishes and raising the rents. Yeah, so they got into that a little bit. And there's an interesting broader conversation right now in the community, not just around apartments, but other product types as well. We call it in the industry value add. But the value add of you know 2012 and 2013 was I'm going to buy a center or an apartment building that's half empty. I'm going to fill it up and then I'm going to add value. Right now, the value add for apartments, you buy a class B or class B project, you upgrade the interiors, you increase rents as you go, you add some more amenities. So the value add is is the rent growth, which they also said could be a concern long term. And they have more buyers for that product, much more money for that than your totally full class A core apartments. We're seeing that right now also in the office market. We saw it to a large degree in the industrial market. So that's an interesting thing for real estate and development community to note. Some of that may be relation into the time. It's absolutely. Because you can buy an occupied facility, rehab it while it's occupied versus spend two to three years building a facility. That's right. Uh, Another canary in the coal mine, I kind of chuckled at this one, is when you start seeing uh, Jonathan Ford was kind about it. He said people with no business being developers that are tying up land and getting it entitled. What he didn't say and I'll say is when you see other people, so call it the architect who's working with the developer, 
say, hey, I could do this too. No you know, disrespect to any architects, but people not in the development business as their core business trying to become developers because, hey, Jonathan's successful and Mike show it's successful. So I could do that too. Yeah, I, that I believe is what we had happen in the early 2000s is people not dealing where their expertise were. They got outside of their lane. And that was his, that was his caution. Yep, I, think, I, I believe it was wise. Absolutely it's wise. I mean, it goes with anything else. Just because you uh, passed medical school doesn't mean you can do heart surgery. It's the, to me, that's the analogy. I, one of the uh, panelists, Mike Showett, I, I thought he had such a different perspective on the affordable housing market that is unspoken and untalked about. Mm -hmm. He talked quite a bit about how to integrate the the affordable housing into the normal, if you want to call them normal, communities mm -hmm. to integrate the families together versus isolating lower incomes yeah. all in one corner of the valley and then creating a pocket of, of lower incomes. Let's mix it together. I thought his perspective on that was really helping. He had a lot of really good perspective. He got also very technical about some of the tools and resources are out there in the form of tax credits, uh, either was it national and local, or was it just federal? I believe it. There's a, a federal tax credit section forty-two. Yeah, like I don't that. know. They I got had... really into the weeds on that <laughs> one, but that's what we come to these things for. It has to do with some tax credit. It helps them keep. Helps. I believe it helps fund the initial part of the project to keep the rents lower long term. Yeah, and their rents are thirty percent of standard market rate is what their standard is. So they have a a threshold that they have to stick to when they develop these properties. So there's a question from the audience specifically on rent, which is what what are rents today in Las Vegas? And the question was trying to get the, the panelists to answer specifically, you know, if I want a two bedroom apartment, what am I paying or a three bedroom or a studio? They just kept to the averages yeah. and they wouldn't really veer from the averages. I thought that was maybe they just didn't pick up on the intent of the question, but the uh, previous peak average rents in Las Vegas were $850. And currently they are $1,005 on average, which you talked about this earlier. John Cunningham went back and said, okay, from the peak in the mid 2000s to now, if you put in one and a half percent growth, which is standard, this is where we should be. You know, further making the point of we are doing development now on healthy fundamentals. But yes. they lowered the square footage of all the apartments to keep those numbers in line. And I believe that was the market demand. That's that was my takeaway is it was there was a lot of conversation about the size of the apartments then versus now. Bigger is not better. Well, amount of units, not units themselves. If you take the increased construction costs that we're battling, it just makes it makes more sense. So I've got one more thing. I don't know if you want to make any other points before we wrap up. You know, Matt, again, with Colliers International, did a fantastic job moderating. One of the things he did is he gave the panelists the last word. What are you most encouraged about? And there was an interesting range of response. So Mike Showett kicked us off. The question was, what are you encouraged about? All he said was, go Knights, go. Went yes. over to Jonathan Forey, said, we're not California. He's encouraged about that. And John Cunningham said, we are, for the first time that he can remember in our development history, we are on sustainable and metered growth. 
he was very positive and very encouraging about the health of what's going on now. There was one more rabbit trail that kind of had a discussion that I didn't expect at all, and there was a topic about rent control. I don't understand rent control very well, but it's on the ballot in California, and there was conversation about how negative that would be if that came here. And that is absolutely not the solution for affordable housing. Yep, that's not the solution. And looking at single family residences as a solution, Mike Show it made it very clear that should be the absolute last choice. So I think we covered a lot. I've certainly covered all of my takeaways. If there's anything you want to add, Sean, go ahead. No, it was a, it was a great panel. It was I believe people left with much more information than they showed up with. That was definitely the commentary and the the chatter around that you noticed. You pointed out to me before we got on the mics. Uh, you know, these things end around 8:50 or so, so people can get back to the office. There was a good chunk of the room that stayed. There's chatter. There's energy. There's stuff going on. It's an exciting time. I would say 25% of the room was here 20 minutes later. It's terrific. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank Catch you, you next time. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like this show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.